Bitcoin. Welcome back to the show, everybody. My name is Ansel Linder. This is Bitcoin and Markets. This is not investment advice, people. Do your own research. Let's get started. All right, another fun-filled day in Bitcoin. Man, should we just start rolling through this, guys? So it looks like maybe Ethereum didn't have their SEC meeting. It looks like Bcash has a bug in their newest fork. Who could have thunk it? And uh, lots and lots of other stuff. Let's see what other news. We have uh, Goldman looks to trade Bitcoin. Uh, Blockstream's coming out with more and more lightning stuff. I mean, it. it everyone will diss on you if you're a Bitcoin maximalist, okay? But that is the rational way to look at the space. If you don't look at the space from a maximalist perspective, nothing makes sense. Okay, blockchain is huge. Oh, everything's the blockchain is going to change the world. Blockchain, blockchain, blockchain. And then where's the beef? Right? I mean, where where are these dapps? Crypto kitties? It's centralized. You don't own those that piece of art. It's owned by artists. It's all kept on a centralized database. They just have a token that represents something on another database. There's nothing to keep those two things connected. It's all the goodwill of that centralized party. Why do you need a database? It's retarded. It's absolutely stupid. It doesn't need a blockchain. Um, any of these other things that are using quote unquote blockchain don't need a blockchain. Okay. The only thing that needs a blockchain is cryptocurrency. Things that require censorship resistance. Uh, Pierre Rochard had a great tweet out yesterday, and he said he's seen these two things emerging, the, the custodial institutional route and the, uh, or actually, let me, let me say, the commoditization custody institutional route. And then the other route was like securities, tokens, blah, 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 blah. Okay. Um, retail investor route. Well, those two things in my mind are just Bitcoin versus blockchain. Still, it's still Bitcoin versus blockchain. And blockchains must require censorship resistance. They must be decentralized. If they are not, then they don't need a blockchain. Okay? Blockchains are slow data databases. There's no reason to have a token for a centralized thing on a slow database when you can have it on a fast database. Okay? Unless it requires censorship resistance. Then, yeah, sure, that, that's, that's when you go down this route. I mean, I don't... Somebody tell me where the efficiency is for a blockchain that it isn't revolved around censorship resistance. Because I don't see it. Because if it's centralized, put it on MongoDB. Put it on Postgres, right? Put it on an SQL database. Those are faster, better, decades worth of research, more people able to do it. We don't need to train a generation of developers in blockchain, a slow database, if your product can be on a fast database, right? Efficient database. Anyway, okay, well, this show is mainly focused around the fundamentals, but we'll get into all that other stuff. Hopefully, by the end of the show, we'll see how much time we have. Um, but I go through a bunch of metrics here, right? I run down the, the prices, the, the markets, and all that stuff. Difficulty, hash rate. Um, I put all the links, that uh, tons of links. I, every, you know, I have a certain... Uh, block of sources that I talk about every single time. And so then I have those all in all in the show notes, but and then every episode I'll talk about individual things on individual episodes. And I include those links as much as I can in the show notes. I, I always tell people to do your own research, do your own research, question yourself, um, read the opposing side, 
right? Because if you don't read things from the opposing side or about the opposing side, then you don't question yourself. I mean, it goes all right along with running your node and financial sovereignty. You need to know um, how this works. Okay, so Bitstamp. 9255, 9255, that makes a Finney 92 cents. Finney is just the dollar, roughly the dollar denomination of Bitcoin right now. It's one ten thousandth of a Bitcoin. The 200 day moving average is over 10,000 at $10,092. That makes the mayor multiple 0.91. So it is under one, the mayor multiple. I think it did touch, uh, it did touch one because the price hit the 200 day moving average and kind of oh man it looked like it was going to break it it really hugged the bottom of the 200 day moving average line and then now it started moving lower um, you know this is just typical cycle in the market we have um, you know a push up and then a little bit of a retrace this is just the normal um, kind of heartbeat of the market right here and um, it looks to me it looks really healthy the last show we did the price was at 92.70 and right now we're at 92.50 so it's like uh, within a week there's been very little price movement and it's just super solid above 9,000 there is a chance that we go below 9,000 but um, it, it's definitely different right the, the downtrend I believe is different unless you know uh, if we get some really bad news out of the SEC regarding Ethereum which looks less likely right now um, or we get some other sort of really big uh, bad news, we could see a, another tick down, like down into the 8,000s. But I, I think that's less and less likely all the time. For example, the uh, futures market. So OKEX futures, it's a June contract there. This quarterly futures, June is the next contract up. And it's sitting at 94.51. That's a spread of $200 or 2%. Okay. And that's different. The last show, the price was at 92.50 and the futures market was at 92.50. Now we have a forward-looking futures market that is above by 2%. That is fundamentally different scenario here. CME futures, um, the May contract, this front month is 92.80 and the June contract is 93.35. This is the first time that I've seen any sort of sizable premium on a futures product on the CME. Uh, I have seen discounts, right? Where we have backwardation, but here, uh, this is this is almost $100 of a uh, premium on the June contract, which is really interesting. Also, the open interest on CME is up by 500 contracts. So we're sitting at uh, 2,548 open interest contracts, which is 500 higher than the last show. And um, so that makes 12,740 Bitcoins on CME. CBOE is roughly 10% of that number. Now, finally, BitMEX futures. Um, the June contract is 9417. Uh, that's a $150 premium. And the September contract on BitMEX is 9550. Of course, that's the farthest out contract I mentioned here. It's the end of the third quarter, but it is also with the highest premium. I mean, that's $300 premium. So this is a fundamental that shows us you know people now when they look forward they're actually bullish <laughs> the the market has changed here even though the price is still saying 9200 people are more bullish now because the futures premiums are high 
relatively high. And I talked on the last show that we're going to see hundreds of dollars for the premium. And now look, we're seeing $300 premiums on the September contract on BitMEX. In the future, when the price does get back up to all-time highs and above that, we could see premiums in the thousands of dollars. And I'm not kidding you. It sounds funny to think that the market could be that off, but think about that. If, if the price is going up so fast and then the market looks out three months and we're sitting at like 30,000, $30,000 and you're looking forward three months, where is it going to be? I mean, there could be a $5,000 premium for short periods of time. Um, that that's going to be wild. I remember back in the day, if we had like a $50 premium, it was like, damn, that's a lot. (laughs) $5,000 anyways. Okay. Let's do market size and transactions. All right. In this section, I talk about market caps and on-chain transactions and things like that. Um, remember the market cap is a flawed fundamental to compare between cryptos. Okay. So the, the dominance index is silly. It was created by altcoiners to pump altcoins. And I'm serious about that. I think it was created by Shapeshift via CoinCap. If anybody else has a origin of that, of this dominance index, let me know. But I'm pretty sure that CoinCap had it first. And then, um, you know, people started talking about it and it was listed everywhere because it was a great metric to pump their altcoin, to pump Ethereum. Look, there's going to be a flippening happening, right? This The flippening was pushed as a way to say, look, Bitcoin is losing dominance. You need to buy into my altcoin. And um, the fact is there is no altcoin market dominance index. Okay. There is no Ethereum dominance index. Why? Because it's stupid. There is there. It, it doesn't matter if they did an Ethereum dominance index, Ethereum would be losing dominance as well. There's no ripple dominance index because it's losing dominance as well, because all it is is more people will create more altcoins, more ICOs, pump it, bring the speculators in, get some booth girls or some, you know, fresh marketing logos and materials and pump your altcoin. There's no of none of these altcoin dominance indexes because it looks just as bad for them. The thing is, there is a Bitcoin dominance index because Bitcoin is dominant, period. It's not an index. Bitcoin is, it's a binary, either it's dominant or it's not. Bitcoin's dominance is 100%. This is very similar to, I mean, it makes me think of consensus, right? Consensus on Bitcoin. It's we're either, you are either in consensus or you're not zero or one. Consensus itself is always 100% because you agree. If you don't, if you, if you disagree, you're not in consensus and you don't count. Your vote does not count. There's only one vote that counts. Okay. And that is Bitcoin. That is in consensus. All right. (laughs) Anyway, so market cap for Bitcoin is 158 billion. And so, so the reason why I continue to talk about this market cap stuff is because when you look at an individual currency that, 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 then it matters, right? To see if the market cap is going up or down. I mean, I remember when the market cap was like 5 billion, six or, well, I don't know if it was that low since I remember it, but it, it was definitely 8 billion. Um, and so you see where we've, we've come from there and now we're going up and it's a good, uh, metric at the bottom of the market at $6,000 when it hit 59 something or other, um, on that sharp wick down in February, the market cap hit exactly 100 billion and bounced. Okay. So the market cap for an individual coin is important, but when you, and maybe comparing two coins, okay. Like Bitcoin versus Ethereum, maybe, but that's still limited. Um, 
ineffectiveness. It's, it's it's not worth anything to compare every other altcoin versus Bitcoin. That's just dumb. <laughs> and that, uh, if you can count everybody together, that's called the global, I call it the global Bitcoin market cap because this is the Bitcoin space. It's not the blockchain space. It's Bitcoin. And um, so that is $437 billion. That leads to a maximal price. If you take all that BS and you shove it into Bitcoin, um, then it leads to a Bitcoin price of $25,675. The on-chain transaction volume for Bitcoin is 1.3 million Bitcoins in the last 24 hours, and that's $12 billion. So that's up about 20% from the last show. Uh, this does vary, and um, this is within a decent range of variance for this, this on-chain transaction volume. The average transaction value in the last 24 hours on Bitcoin is 6.08 Bitcoins, $56,000, okay? $56,000 per transaction. That's the average. Now that's skewed by larger transactions. So we also take a look at median transaction value. And that is 0 0.053 Bitcoins. Very, very, almost identical to the last show. Um, $489. MVT. This is a ratio a lot of people like to look at. This is a 28-day average is 143. Longs versus shorts. So this is on Bitfinex. They've published this number for a long time. Um, they published it for probably two years now, maybe three years, but it's on the charts. It's just recently been added to TradingView, I think last September. Uh, but you can find that on TradingView if you if if you have an account there. Let's see. Let's see what the ticker is for that. So I can give you guys that info. It is a BTC USD long or BTC USD short. And yeah, that'll give you the number of contracts uh, taken out um, right now. And they're, they're, I think contract would just be like one Bitcoin or something. So it's the, these are standard units. Um, and right now the ratio is sitting at 1.46. So that's gone up quite a bit in the last little while. Let me pull up that chart here. Okay, so um, on my chart here, I just have the price overlaid. I'll tweet this out if you guys follow me at BTC MRKTS. So I have the price overlaid and then I have the 180 day moving average of this ratio longs to shorts because i'm trying to figure out what the natural level is for this um, we've had quite a bit of time over one and a half and uh, most of the time since set i would say 95 percent of the time since september we've been over one so more longs than shorts and that's i think that's generally what we see um, and even during this huge pullback we only dipped below one once I think we touched one a couple times, but we only dipped below one on this ratio longs to shorts once during this pullback since December. This whole year, we've only dipped below one time, and now we're sitting at 1.46. I think the natural level is about 1.5. Um, bottoms, it's interesting too when I look at this chart because I thought that, you know, when we'd have a bottom where the ratio was the lowest, right? Where the shorts outweighed the longs by the most. But that's not what we see. I went through here and I plotted all of the all-time highs and or swing highs and swing lows. And the swing lows are always above the swing highs. So that's really interesting to me. And um, so maybe as this ratio goes up here and we pass the 1.5, 1.6 area uh, on this ratio, then uh, we could have a swing bottom. Uh, I, I don't know. Uh, 
this is all flying by the seat of my pants right here, but we do have 30,000 contracts long and 20,000 contracts short. Uh, so that's right around 1.5. It's 1.46 actually. So um, that's interesting. It's fundamentally different. We'll take a look at it at the next show and see where that is moving. But uh, to me, I'm, my interpretation right now on this is that we could see a slight pullback here. Like I said, down, hopefully we stay around 92 or sorry, uh, 9,000. But there is a possibility that we drop down lower than that, down to 8,000. There's that. Okay, what's next? Security and blockchain. Okay, so we're going to talk about difficulty in mining and things here. Um, difficulty is estimated in two days to change by 1.8% to get more difficult. Uh, readjust upwards 1.8%. The last three changes were 4%, 9%, and 1%. Uh, so this 1.8 is right in the ballpark. Um, for newbies listening to the show, I like to see the difficulty, you know, three to 5%, two to 5%, somewhere in there is, is healthy. And, um, I don't want to see multiple double digit increases in difficulty because, um, I don't know. That just seems unhealthy to me. And also you don't want to see declines in difficulty. We've, we, uh, the big story here is the pump in price in Bcash. And so a sizable percentage now has gone uh, over of the hash rate has gone over to Bcash uh, and Bitcoin difficulty is still looking like it's going up, right? Um, it's, it really hasn't affected Bitcoin at all. The mempool is sitting at three megabytes, really low. If you look at the average size block for Bitcoin over the last several weeks, it's yeah, sure. You see a lot that are down there, the 600 kilobyte, you know, half full for Bitcoin, but you do see a lot that are above times that are above one up to 1.2, 1.3 megabytes. And in the past, those would have backed up, right? So we have this extra room due to SegWit and it provides this little overflow valve and the pressure doesn't build up in the mempool. So instead of having constant one megabyte blocks, we have some that are 1.3 and some that are 0.6. That's totally logical to me. Um, don't bite off on this narrative where nobody's using Bitcoin because we still have roughly, it's like 1,800 transactions per block. That's crazy compared to Bcash where it's 140 blocks, 140 transactions per block. They created a silly website. Now I can't remember what it is. I'll try to find it and put in the show notes, the, the actual URL, but um, it shows the streets. So there's a lane for every megabyte. Of block size and they show bcash versus bitcoin and they made this because they wanted to show how much more can go through on bcash but it's silly because bitcoin's lane is backed up bumper to bumper going through high speed and bcash is empty there's eight lanes of emptiness nobody's going through and it's going to look even worse when they put 32 lanes on this thing on this new fork which i'll talk about here in a second but uh yeah it's it's crazy man okay mining profitability 56 cents per terahash per day uh by my numbers blockchain size is 196 gigabytes i did see something where the state on ethereum is getting to 80 gigabytes so even on a fast sync you're still having to go through 80 gigabytes and this is with no dApps running at scale period zero zilch none Crypto kitties, but they don't really use the blockchain. <laughs> oh God, that that's not good. That's not good for Ethereum. All right, and um, so mempool is three megabytes, and median on-chain fee right now is forty cents. Okay, let's go check out development. 
All right, Bitcoin's development um, on GitHub, you can go to their pulse uh, for the project and you can see merged PRs, closed issues. We have 24 merged PRs and seven closed issues in the last seven days. Lots of activity going on. This is slightly lower, but there, there seemed to be a sprint that happened uh, over the last month or so. I mean, we were seeing like 50 some merged PRs per week. I mean, it was crazy. And it just happens to be this week is a little bit less than that. But at the same time, this is more than anybody else. That's what I'm, my point of including this is people will say Bitcoin can't scale. Bitcoin uh, is stagnant, but Bitcoin is doing cutting edge stuff. It is the most looked at code. Like, for example, this Bcash uh, bug that I'm going to talk about in the news section. It was caused by people not looking at the code. And I predicted this on Twitter. Anyway, um, Bitcoin, is the, the, the development is second to none. All right, let's check out Lightning. Lightning capacity is at 17.2 BTC. So that's total, sorry, 17.9. 17.9 BTC total. Uh, on the Lightning Network, at least on this site, it's not possible to get an exact, accurate measurement. But um, yeah, the the site that I use here, they do as much as they can here, and they get 17.9. That's up from 16 on the last show. So you know, that's another two BTC worth of capacity on the Lightning Network channels. There are 5,988, which is up by 200 channels from the last time I talked about it, and nodes 1923 so again another 200 nodes as well or 150 nodes uh on the lightning network so it's growing it's the 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 rate of growth has slowed down um this has a lot to do with i think the mempool and the, the cheapness of transactions on chain uh, i was talking to a guy on this long conversation and i was asked about if i was going to change anything on Bitcoin, what would it be? And I thought about it uh, for a little while. I said, well, maybe block size would have been nice to have the block size limit at two megabytes from the beginning. Um, but then I was like, no, because then we wouldn't have pushed the lightning network in layer two, the actual exponential scaling solution. We would not have been pushing that until later when people are more entrenched in the on-chain stuff, you know, more businesses built around it more stakeholders, more powerful, bigger stakeholders, bigger businesses involved. And it would have been much harder to put, go towards this exponential scaling solution. So um, then I was like, well, maybe we should have made the block size half a megabyte. Then we would have reached this point earlier and we would have been pushed into this exponential scaling earlier uh, and with less entrenchment in on-chain transactions and things. But then I was like, yeah, you know, I don't know. It just seems like one megabyte was the perfect size. It was not arbitrary by Satoshi. This was just enough to, to get the job done in an exact manner. It's amazing. The longer you're here, the, the more you uh, learn about why things are the way they are, the more you're like, God damn it, that's so perfect. Just right on point. Because the one megabyte is just big enough to push us into this layer two. Now it's the, the pressure has backed off. Now we have lightning. The pressure is backed off so people can slowly do it in a smart way, get time to build libraries, time to build all sorts of different protocol it, protocols in the stack. This comes into the L2, which I'll talk about here in a second from Blockstream. And, um, you know, it's just the way it's happening 
is so perfect. And that, a lot of times I think, well, maybe the developers are all, they're so freaking big brained that they, they're planning all this somehow, you know, but I don't think so. I think this is natural forces and it just happens so perfectly. Bitcoin aligns the incentives so well. That's easier to believe for me than to think that s some group of insiders are planning all this. So, um, Bitcoin is doing great. Lightning is doing great. Um, we're going to see a lot more. I mean, being a layer two, the development is going to happen so much faster because on layer one, you got to worry about consensus. You know, you, that is the big hiccup. You got to worry about consensus. It slows you down. It makes it so everything has to be debated for two years before you can make an update. And I almost said simple update, which Segway is not simple, but it was a no brainer, but it wasn't simple. It was a tour de force, huge, huge update for Bitcoin. And, um, but it touches consensus, right? It's, it's on the consensus layer. So these changes that are on the consensus layer are going to take a long time to get through. Changes on layer two are going to be much faster because they don't have to touch that consensus layer. It's going to be a almost a move fast and break things type of atmosphere, but not quite because it's centered on Bitcoin and we don't want to mess it up. Okay. There's 17, almost 18 Bitcoins riding on the Lightning Network right now, and we don't want to mess that up. People are very responsible here. And so it is a move fast and break things relative to layer one, um, but it's still very responsible. So we're going to see a lot of fast development. Uh, faster development on layer two than on the base chain. So man, just wait, your head's going to spin here for the next 12 months. It's going to be nonstop lightning updates, uh, new lightning things and services. And I mean, it's going to be crazy. Get ready. Okay. I have one more metric and that is the Google trends for Bitcoin. Okay. Over the last, the 12 months we are down. Okay. We're down again for, uh, interest on Google trends. This is at 13 out of 100, which is, I'm, I'm going to say this is downright lower. I've been saying it's flat because it has been flat between like 18 and 15. Um, but now this is down to 13 out of 100. Actually, let me go to the past five years and see where we're at. Okay, past five years, we are at also 13 out of 100 because it's at the peak of the top you know the very top of this all-time high price was 100 uh, out of 100 the most interest and we we bottomed at 13 back in september of 17 okay and yeah so that is the last time we were back at these levels when at the bottom at the uh you know end of september early october of last year so it's nothing to be really worried about but it is showing a continued slide at this point. All right, let's go to the last 30 days. Check that out. Last 30 days. It, it's, this is flat. I'm not going to say this is slide. It's 68 out of a hundred. So that's good. It's up from the last time I talked about it, uh, possibly because some other numbers moved off of the 30 day chart, but yeah, this, this interest looks flat. So I'm going to say, uh, this it's overall down. We have not seen the turnaround to bullishness on Google trends. Let me put it that way. All right, let's get into the news. Okay, of course we've had this Bcash pump and 
it, it's all centralized guys bcash is completely centralized they have big players they have a few retail investors that are out there buying it it's um and with this trickery by uh, via roger ver then you know a lot of these guys who might want to buy bitcoin end up buying bcash by mistake so a lot of the retail investors are just fooled <laughs> to buying it um and there's not a ton, but there is some retail interest. Uh, but most of it's these big whales. You know, they pump the price, uh, coordinated. Bitmain still is holding on to their half a million. Uh, Bcash, Roger Vera probably has similar amounts or more. And, um, you know, it's all it's all these guys pumping it, okay? Unfortunately, they're probably going to get rich. They're going to dump on bag holders. But, uh, you know, th these, these pumps are unsustainable, and they're getting less and less. Like that, remember the, the Coinbase pump went up to uh 0.4 bitcoins i think 0.4 bitcoins and they're still under 0.2 bitcoins right now so uh, these pumps are getting weaker and weaker it actually opened dollar wise on uh coinbase at 3100 dollars and it's only at 1700 dollars now so uh you know the, these like i said these pumps are getting weaker and weaker the big story about bcash though is this uh, bug so somebody outside of the team of the you know the small nuclear centralized <laughs> development team um of basically one guy from what i understand there's i mean bitcoin limited is in there too but they were pissed because they weren't they didn't feel like they were being represented during this difficulty adjustment uh hard fork um, but it's basically one guy that runs bitcoin abc the the client that everybody uses um, and uh, so a, a bug was anonymously reported to Bitcoin ABC that would have split the network between Bitcoin Unlimited and Bitcoin ABC. Like they, they weren't in agreement. Uh, so there was a patch created, uh, a private release given just to the miners. I don't know if it's even open source, if it's out there. Uh, this is closed source code as far as I'm concerned. And it was distributed to quote unquote trusted miners. Read as trusted third parties. This is a huge scandal. This is a huge scandal, but it's being it's being swept under the rug like it's not. Um, but I predicted this, guys. This is not rocket science. These are inferior devs. Same thing happened with 2X. There was going to be a bug. We knew it. And then when it comes time, there's a bug. They couldn't even fork with 2X. It would have crippled Bitcoin, right? I mean, these are inferior dudes out there. They're soy boys over there on, on Bcash. And... Of course, there's, of course, there's going to be a bug. There's probably more bugs. There's probably more bugs. We're going to see something about nodes getting kicked off. They want to kick nodes off. So I'm, I would see in the future something that they put out that, oh, oh, we had a bug and all the nodes were taken off. Now it's just the miners with the nodes. That's what we want, right? They want to centralize it to these trusted miners. It's a complete joke of a cryptocurrency, a complete joke compared to Bitcoin. Okay, I am not worried in the least about this. I have been going on Twitter a lot trying to calmly talk to these people because my my thing is I want when people search for Bitcoin Cash, I want them to come across my comment. I really do. And I, I know I don't get that many retweets and I'm not that popular out there like some of these other uh, guys, out, uh, great guys out there on Twitter, Whale Pool or Whale Panda, um, uh, Tour de Meester, um, 
Pierre Richard is also getting up there on the follower count stuff. I, but, you know, I want to be in the mix and I want to hurt their SEO, right? And that's, that's all the only way I know how to do it is do this show and do my tweeting. And uh, I try to do it like that. So I do do what I can to, to hurt their cause, but I'm not worried about it. I, I don't think these guys aren't, aren't going to amount to anything. <laughs> and they're just a bunch of soy boys. Okay. Uh, what else? Great article by Aaron Van Verden on lightning apps. Um, I could go through all these, but well, why don't I just read them out and give a, like a one sentence uh, description here. So dual funded payment channels. Um, these are where uh, both sides can fund a channel. That's, that's pretty awesome. Submarine swaps. That's where you have a uh, address outside of lightning channel that you want to pay just on chain. You can send it to a lightning node, like an endpoint, and then they will uh, trustlessly pay the off chain. And if someone wants to pay you on lightning, but they don't have a channel open with you or whatever, they can trustlessly send this endpoint a Bitcoin transaction on chain and the Bitcoin will come over the lightning network to you. So um, that's a submarine swap. That's pretty interesting. Splicing. This is, has to do with topping up your channels. Um, I think it's where you can close and open a new channel at the same time, or you can update a, a transaction that is already open, right? So to open a Lightning channel, you have to make a transaction on, on chain, and to close it, you make another transaction. But you can combine those. So you close and open at the same time, um, or you can top up with one transaction. So these are these are things that are... Um, decreasing the ratio of on-chain to lightning transactions because that's one of the the uh, criticisms is that when you uh, want to pay somebody on lightning you got to open a channel pay them and then close the channel so you actually turn one transaction in, into two which isn't the case because that channel can be used over and over and over again thousands of times but um, that that's been a criticism that there's too many on-chain transactions so there's ways now that you can reduce that down almost to one uh, which is pretty interesting. Okay, L2. That was another one of my stories here. Blockstream has come out with this L2. It's like a, uh, it's just a replacement protocol within Lightning Protocol. And it has to do with, I mean, this is probably too technical for me to talk about. I'll sound silly, but they, it has to do with the penalty. So when you, if every time you make a Lightning transaction, you're updating the state of the channel. Okay. The only thing that that attacker can do on the other side of the channel is to publish a previous state. Okay. Um, and if that's the case, if they do that and you have cryptographic proof that they're trying to publish a previous state, you can then close the channel and get all of the Bitcoins in that channel. So if you have 0.1 Bitcoins in that channel and you know, you've been doing transactions and they try to cheat you and publish a previous state where they had more then you can publish cryptographic proof and get all that Bitcoin. You can take their Bitcoin. Um, there's some drawbacks to that, and that is that um, sometimes this happens by accident. If your node has to reboot or something and you know somehow accidentally a previous state gets published, that is not good. Um, so these are the small types of things that are getting worked out. And L2 has a uh, new cryptographic way to do this type of uh, state management, if you will. Um, I think it's pretty neat. That's coming us from Blockstream. Compact side chain, oh, compact client side block filtering. 
This has to do with if you're watching the blockchain, uh, you can do reverse order, I believe. You can, what you do, and instead of um, requesting, because it's um, SPV, that's the light, light wallet, where you don't have a full node, you don't have a blockchain on your phone, say, but your phone is requesting um, any information about certain addresses, okay? That's not private. That hurts privacy. Uh, and what this, what one of the things they, they are talking about doing here is a, a backwards type uh, lookup, and that it improves privacy quite a bit. It doesn't make it perfect, but it does improve privacy. Uh, I think that's what this one is all about. Watchtowers, that is where you have a lightning uh, wallet and you don't have a lightning node, but you can trustlessly let someone else watch the lightning network for you. Um, those are being worked on. Atomic multipath payments. That's so if I want to make a payment that is 0.1 bitcoins, but I don't have a channel that has 0.1 bitcoins, but I do have two channels that have half of that 0.05. I can still make that payment with this technology, the atomic multipath payments. I can combine different, uh, channels and that that also works for different steps in a route um like for instance now i want to route it so i can go to this one node and that node also has two channels like that then they can do it themselves right and on and on and on down the path uh which is pretty cool atomic swaps that's where you're talking about multiple blockchains you know base layers combined at the lightning layer i don't think this is going to be too uh, big of an avenue, honestly, for development, because I don't see any of these other blockchains being, being good. Uh, but I do think this could be used for, uh, tokens. Okay. Centralized tokens that are on, on the lightning network. Um, this, this could be used counterparty type stuff, uh, even. So, um, that that's what I'm what I'm looking at for atomic swaps is tokens versus actual coins from other other blockchains. Channel factories that's where you get together with a bunch of people and you can open up as many once you have one channel open you can open up as many channels without another transaction um, between you guys. This happened. This it, it's we don't know exactly how this is going to look, but you know um, it's just another way to minimize the amount of on-chain transactions. And if you get with a group or like your family or your friends or your meetup has might have a channel factory, say, or something like that, uh, you can you, you have more connections than you, it looks like. Like your node might have five connections or five channels open. But in reality, one of those channels is to a channel factory. And each of those people in the channel factory has five. So in reality, with that channel factory as one of your channels, you are also connected instantly without an on-chain transaction to all of those other channels. I hope that makes sense because you can open up immediately and go right into the other things. It's just a way to um, minimize the transactions on chain. You could already route it that way, but that's just, that's just a heads up. Okay. So that has to do with that article. Let's move on to the next piece is samurai, man. Samurais do work. There's a huge update for Samurai Wallet. I was one of the first people to start touting Samurai Wallet. I remember I got in very early on their alpha. I believe I was, you know, one of the first hundred people or so to get in on their, their wallet. It's very, very good. They're constantly pushing the envelope. Um, these guys are cypherpunks through and through. They have the right ethos going on. And 
Um, I love these guys. Uh, I've never met them in, in person. I would love to do that at some point. But uh, Samurai Wallet is, they are great examples for the rest of the space. I mean, this is how you do a wallet. Um, there's been a lot of stuff out there about Paul Pui from uh, previously Airbits. Now it's Edge or something, Edge Secure, some bullshit. It's a, um, altcoin wallet uh they you know he's had this fight about lightning and stuff recently but compare paul pui to samurai i mean it's 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 no it's hands down samurai is doing innovative things constantly you know they're fast they're, they come out with new stuff all the time cutting edge stuff um it's just great okay let's see uh last thing i want to talk about here real quick is that uh, this tweet got a lot of attention and a lot of uh, love out there and i i mentioned that bitcoin is fresh okay bitcoin is fresh tech it's for young people it's very easy for young people to understand it um, and it once this new generation you know kids that are like 12 and under they they're going to get into bitcoin first before they get a bank account right maybe they're playing online games with their friends maybe they're doing some small little things on the side and they have a lightning wallet i don't know but they are going to have uh, exposure to Bitcoin before they get exposure to banking. And at that point, then you have to try to explain banking to them. Like, why do we need banking? Why can't I just have a wallet? Right? I don't get it. Why, why do you have these rules on me that I can't take out funds from my bank account after this certain point? And why is there a limit on that? Why do I have to go to a goddamn ATM? Right? All of these things. I mean, you're going to have to explain the fiat bullshit system to these kids when they have exposure to Bitcoin, freedom. You're never gonna be able to sell them on this. On You're never gonna be able to say, this gulag looks really good. Guys, I know you're out there living in the Garden of Eden, freedom with Bitcoin, but this gulag looks freaking sweet. No, you're never gonna be able to do that. These kids are gone. They're lost to the traditional banking system. Just like people like me that are on the younger side, we're not gold bugs anymore. We've left gold, because gold is old farty, you know? and. That's the same exact thing that's going to happen with Bitcoin uh, in the future, and I'm super, super excited for it. I have a couple other notes here, but I'm running out of time. So, guys, thank you for joining me. My name is Ansel Linder. This has been Bitcoin and Markets. If you want to support the show, independent, hardcore, honest media in Bitcoin, go to patreon.com forward slash Bitcoin and Markets. Thank you to all my patrons. You guys are awesome. Um, I'm going to be getting out some uh, new episodes for my Patreon-only series here coming up really shortly. So, thanks for hanging out and making the show possible. So, thank you, thank you, thank you. We'll see you guys next time. Peace.